welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today is Paul MacDonald, MD of Sancha Systems and returning guest to the show. Paul, you're very welcome. How, how have the last few years been for you? Uh, very good, Carol, actually, thankfully, and uh, very happy to say we've been very lucky to be one of the businesses that has benefited from some of the changes in uh, macro and local markets over the last couple of years, particularly driven by the pandemic changes in people's attitudes to the environment and so on. So what we do is we manufacture automated environmental sensors, uh, traditionally for noise and more recently for air quality monitoring. Uh, we work with construction companies, heavy industry, manufacturing facilities and so on. And we've seen a real change in attitudes and uptake of that type of environmental monitoring over the last two years or so, uh, driven by people's change in behavior, changing attitudes to environmental issues. Uh, and I'm happy to say it's, it's, it's been a significant benefit for, for anyone in that environmental space. You know, and you're absolutely right in saying that uh, things have changed. So not just across the workplace, but within our communities and within our homes. So I know one of the things that you're doing, I, it was interesting. I read it on your website. You were talking about how uh, really pe people's reaction and tolerance to noise, particularly in the workplace, has changed over the last couple of, uh, over the, uh, the period of COVID. So what are you learning from your clients? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we've seen a couple of things happen. One, the traditional sort of business we, we were doing was industrial monitoring where somebody might have a, a, a very obviously noisy process. Um, so we would put in automatic sensors uh, around their facility and, and measure the noise. And they were originally looking for what you'd call workplace noise exposure. So it's where it's very obviously noisy and people would put uh, hearing protection on and so on. That has evolved, not just because of a change in attitudes or a change in people moving, say, from, from the city out to the country. We see um, businesses that never had an issue before starting to look at these things because they've got new neighbours or people are working from home and never heard that sound before. But even more interestingly, we're seeing businesses that previously uh, were just normal office businesses, normal workplaces, starting to take account of the influence of the acoustic environment on their staff, on their teams, on their visitors, uh, or on their patients in some cases, who, and really that's the, the users of a space and how the environment is influencing those users of the space, be it their, their, their own team, their own community, whatever it might be. So there's a big drive towards long-term automatic sound sensing to understand what that does to the people that are, that are using that, that physical space, be it outdoor or indoor. You know, it, it's really interesting because what you talked about there in the early stages is what I would associate um, the need for uh, protection against workplace noise. You know, I would be thinking probably like a lot of people that it's around demolition and construction. And of course, that is a huge part of it. But when you bring it internally, that is something that's quite new. You know, so for the last number of years through PropTech Ireland, we've been talking a lot about smart buildings. But since COVID, the features of a smart building have completely changed. How how is that like how are you and, and the team at Sunshine System actually driving that? 
Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting one. It's, it's really a developing area that that we're starting to see emerging and starting to crystallize right across the world, but particularly where you have a large real estate operators, uh, high end office buildings, and people are now starting to come back to the office after a period of working from home or hybrid work. And the, the real estate operators and, uh, and, and really what's now called workplace experience managers are starting to grapple with what does the building need to do for people giving those changing attitudes. So we have worked with a couple of, of really, really interesting companies who are at the forefront of this. Um, one of the big global tech leaders, um, we engaged in a major project with them across the last 18 months or so to instrument their office spaces to start to understand the acoustics of those spaces and try to optimize them for people coming back to work. And what we're doing there is, is moving beyond talking about noise and we talk about soundscape. And a soundscape is the acoustic environment that you're in but it's, it's more to do with how you perceive it within the context of your space. So it, it, it goes beyond just acoustic measurement and into what's called psychoacoustics. And that is the perception of the sound environment for the people that are there. And when we, when we talk about that in a workplace sense, we're talking about people who are coming to work today to do maybe a particular type of work it might be a software team who want to do heads down work and, and really concentrate on them, their, uh, their work with the minimum number of interruptions. Or it might be a creative team, a sales team who want a little buzz around the office. And the studies behind this are really, really interesting because what you see is uh, general workplace surveys will show that noise and interruption is one of the major problems people have and one of the major barriers to getting people back to workplaces. So uh, I think the numbers are something like upwards of 60% of people say that noise and interruption is the biggest complaint that they have in their workplace. And that's conversations around the, the workplace, you know, noise coming in from the next office space or so on, distracting them from their work. But the other side of that is showing that uh, creative teams, such as marketing, sales, that type of thing, they benefit from a space that has a, a, a bit of a buzz in there. So the, the, the difficulty comes that quiet is not always best and understanding what people are trying to do in a space helps you to optimize what the sound should be. That's really interesting that, no, that uh, quiet isn't always best because I think when we talk about workplace noise, um, most people would imagine that to tackle that the way you tackle it is by reducing or eliminating workplace noise. But actually, the concept of soundscapes is quite new. Um, so, so is that telling us that actually there are sounds that are actually required and are more appropriate? That's exactly it. Uh, and it, it's appropriate within the context of the space and within the context of the people that are using that space. So it can be built in right at the design stage. You can think about uh, what's the space supposed to do? What are people gonna do in the space? And by optimizing those spaces for the use case that's envisaged, you can, you can do what is called soundscaping. So you can introduce sounds that are beneficial, such as biophilic sounds, sounds of nature, 
that are known to be quite uh, pleasing to people, quite restorative, quite relaxing. You can introduce the type of music that you might want, as I say, with a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of a background hum. And, and you can understand the, the type of level, the sound level and the acoustic metrics that are optimized for what you want to achieve in that space. So if you take it that a, a really, really quiet space you're more likely to overhear a neighboring conversation. You're more likely to be interrupted if the, the next space over or the, you know, the, the office next door happens to be particularly noisy. So I suppose you can mold, you can plan, and you can now measure for optimized soundscapes within a workplace, within a hospital, uh, within a factory floor to really understand is it performing the way you want and what's the influence of that soundscape going to be on the people that are there today. And that opens up some really, really interesting opportunities because if you know what, who's there, what they're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve with the space, you can start to flex space as well. And what we've heard from our customers is that sound is the biggest driver of behavior in a space over all other things. So the two major complaints that come from people, the wrong temperature and the wrong sound. The temperature, a little less easier, a little less easy to control on a, on a, on a localized basis. But the sound is the really, really personal one that what, what, what bothers you might not bother me. Uh, and, and trying to design those sounds and then measure for them will tell you what is happening in a space and why it's happening. So when you combine that with occupancy sensors, air quality sensors, light sensors and temperature sensors, you start to build up a real picture of what is happening in a space. And now with the, the soundscape element, you can actually understand why it's happening. And when you talk about um, how it's impacting behavior, are you talking about maybe productivity in the workplace or what were the behavioral factors that you see? Yeah, so, so sound influences a number of things. It can uh, influence mood, it can influence creativity, it can influence productivity, but it also influences use of a space. Um, Say so one of the big tech companies we were working with had designed a particular space as a collaborative area uh, they thought people would sit down there. There's a, there's a coffee dock. They thought, okay, everybody will get a coffee. They'll sit here in this space. They'll have uh, short meetings or ad hoc meetings uh, and, and lots of great work will happen here. In reality, nobody used the space because the grinding of the coffee machine was going on and on. And we could pick it out on the sound sensors that we had in the space. You could see a little peak on a pretty regular basis, not regular enough to plan for it, not regular enough to fade into the background, but these little short peaks of loud sound were disturbing enough for people trying to use that space that nobody sat there. So everybody got their coffee and they left and they went and sat in a space that wasn't designed for it. So, and the takeaway for them was while they had designed this, this beautiful space with a lovely view and everything like that, sound was the thing that was driving the behavior in the space. People wouldn't sit there if the sound was wrong. Yeah, that's that's so interesting because actually I have worked with people who needed the radio on and I'm the opposite from the time I was in school and college studying I need absolute quiet so actually when I have a day of writing or deep work or research that requires serious concentration I'll do that from home because I don't want the interruptions I don't want the noise from the office um, and in fact if I'm in the office first and there's no noise introduced like radio or something, 
I, I find that other people get quite uncomfortable around that. And I don't even notice it happening. I, I work away blissfully with my head down. I don't even notice it. But um, and I suppose what that really tells me, uh, and you touched on it there, that it's down to personal perception. So you've got maybe, uh, I mean, when you're trying to, you know, you mentioned there that you're working with a, a tech giant. So if you're working with a global tech giant on something that is so uh, uniquely personal and it's perceived by individuals, how do you get that balance? And how does a tech company, a global tech company, get that balance of actually catering to the individual and the team? Mm, and that that's that's the new bit that's the new science and the new area of, of research that's emerging right now as people start to think about workplace experience and and thinking about the people within a space so it's a human-centered approach to to smart buildings whereas previously it might only have thought of uh, energy usage and light usage and switch off the lights when you walk in the room we're, we're now transitioning over into that that area of psychoacoustics, which is what I talked about. So what we've looked at with the, with the team we work with is uh, building a an interface and a platform that allows an individual to choose the type of space they want to work in today. So imagine that you're bringing your, your team back to the workplace after two years of remote work and so on. Their tolerance for noise has changed. Their awareness of their environment has changed. Like you say, maybe they've grown very, very used to working at home or they they moved to the countryside where previously they lived in the city. And we've heard lots of stories like that. And now they're coming back to the workplace. By measuring that data and developing the metrics to characterize the soundscape of a space we can give our clients the tool to say, okay, uh, you want to do some heads down software work today, or Carol has a really, really important piece of work and she wants a quiet space to work on. Here's a floor plan. Uh, you know, that, that little alcove on the second floor, that's really, really good for that today. Maybe you're coming in, you're going to sit down with the marketing team. You want to come up with a new uh, plan for next year and a couple of ideas. You want a creative space, a bit of background music, a bit of buzz. Ah, you know, we can see that's the fourth floor uh, with the common space is great today. And we are giving our clients the tools to understand that. So not just at the design phase where you get an acoustic consultant in to design for these things, you can now measure and understand is it happening all the way through and start to relate those acoustic metrics to personal productivity and satisfaction metrics. And Paul, when, when or at what stage of the process are you and the sound assistance team brought in? You know, because I would imagine that uh, a lot of this is probably existing buildings. However, I, you know, it's interesting that the opportunity is there to get a lot of this right at the design stage. So at what stage do you and your team consult? Well, that's interesting. So everything we've done so far has been yeah, retrofit to existing buildings with the exception of one space that I think was just being fitted out at the time, um, which is a really interesting comparison because uh, let's say that that large project we did was about 400 sensors uh, across six international offices. So uh, some in the US, some in Ireland, uh, some further afield. And, and what you get there is a whole mix of cultures, of different backgrounds, different uh, working habits, 
and and you start to see not not just the different behavioral patterns but also different tolerances to what sound might be so if you have a really multicultural office all the different people in there would have a different relationship with sound um, and we've expanded our team quite a bit over the last year or so we've added four new hires in the last few months all from different backgrounds um, and as they work remotely we have really interesting phone calls as well so we had a team call uh, one of our team based in Germany uh, one of our team uh, who's normally in the office was working back in Pakistan for a few months and, and the rest of the team were here in Dublin and on that team call we could actually hear church bells from Germany and a Muslim call to prayer in Pakistan, all within the same call. So we had a really interesting discussion about soundscape and what it meant, because half the team would never have heard a Muslim call to prayer before. But for the soundscape and the cultural fabric of any of the team who are from Pakistan, that's that's built in from childhood as absolutely part of what they see. And their tolerance to that is much, much higher, whereas for a Western team who maybe had never heard it before, it's a slightly distracting sound in the background while you're on a team call trying to talk about some technical issue or some software problem we were having, whatever it was. So what we do is try and marry those bits and try and marry those acceptances, those, those uh, perceptions and those cultural acknowledgements of sound right through it. And with the new build, you can build that in because you try and understand what is it we're trying to achieve here? Are we trying to, you know, and, and people have thought of that. With the retrofit, you are trying to just capture what's happening and then help to flex. You, you, you do a redesign and a reuse of the space and a flex of the space afterwards. Um, so there's, there's, there's slightly different considerations there. So, so we, you know, but the technology we have as a sensor system can be applied either way. And um, as somebody who doesn't understand noise, when I hear noise, that's all it is to me. It is noise. I can't distinguish between what's what's ongoing, what's temporary, what's intermittent, uh, what's what ought to be there. So, I mean, are are we wrong when we just talk about noise? As in, this is a noisy area. Do we need to be actually understanding what that noise is? How do we how do we understand what that noise is? Yeah, so that, that's interesting. And, and, and that's exactly what we are developing now uh, as part of our ongoing research is, is moving beyond that concept of just noise, uh, that, that loud is bad and quiet is good. Um, that, that's uh, actually that that's bread and butter stuff for, for our company. We have thousands of sensors on construction sites all over the world. And what we measure for is the decibel level. Once it goes above that decibel level, uh, we alert somebody to say, keep the noise down. But when you talk about this, this indoor space uh, and, and, and use of indoor space, it's much more nuanced. So we're, we're transitioning over into psychoacoustics, which is the type of sound, the content of the sound. We measure the frequency content and the patterns in that sound to understand how they might be perceived by people there. So one of the projects we have going on, an ongoing bit of pro bono work actually that, that our team are really proud of is a project in Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, uh, working with a really well-known team there from the NHS. And what they focus on in that hospital in particular is the patient experience. So they measure and manage as 
as many aspects of the hospital environment as possible. So they have, a, for example, a, a whole lot of artwork that they curate around the walls. Uh, they think about the color of the floor tiles because people with dementia struggle with uh, sharp changes in color between floor tiles. They perceive it as a gap where they might fall. Uh, they measure the light levels, they measure the temperature levels, and now they measure the sound levels in the hospital as well. But not just the noise, also the patterns of that noise, the regularity. Are there, is there a pattern of loud sounds that are much higher than the background sound? And in particular, we have these in a ward where they treat patients that suffer from delirium because the patterns of the sound there are really, really important for triggering patients with delirium that might have an episode if there's a lot of loud sounds that are constantly jolting them out of a, 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 a lower comfort level. So it is that regularity, the makeup of the sound, the frequency content that really influences how it affects people's behavior. And we're bringing that on now with the university we're speaking to as well. Uh, to try and transfer some of that to uh, students and, and staff that suffer with autism. And, and different spectrums of autism can perceive things in a very, very different way. So things that might fade into the background for us, like the, for example, the hum of a fluorescent light bulb can be really, really intrusive to somebody with autism because they perceive their environment in a really different way. So measuring the acoustic metrics, but also translating them into perceptual metrics is really the key to understand how it influences behavior. And that's what we're working on here. It's such a fascinating area. Um, you know, and, and when you talk about psychoacoustics, it's just, I mean, is this a new area? Um, you know, is this, is this a new area? Has it been really delved into before? Or, or is this something that's, you know, maybe change in the fact that as humans, we have, have to learn how to live in closer proximity to each other. Is this part of that? It, it, it is. Uh, it's not a new area. It's not a new area of, of, of science in that, but it, it is a one of growing importance, particularly the area of soundscape uh, linked to psychoacoustics. So soundscape, uh, the, the concept has been around for decades but is one of the key areas of research, both indoors and outdoors now, that any acoustics uh, conference or, or noise conferences, which I regularly attend, you probably haven't been to any. Um, for example, you know, we would exhibit at, at all the major the acoustics and noise conferences uh, across the US and across Europe. And the big drive now that people have come back post-pandemic, all the conferences this year were in person, everything's about soundscape. How do people perceive this sound environment? How do we design and control the sound environment so that it's pleasant for people to be there and to listen to? So for example, I live in a very rural area in Wexford. Uh, when I am at home at the weekend, it's very, very quiet. There, we live beside a, a large forested area. So it's mostly nature sounds. It's very, very pleasing to sit there and totally relax after a busy week, the office is in Dublin, so I commute to the city um, and we have a construction project beside us. They clear the ground, there's, there's workers in there every day, all that sort of stuff. But I'm aware of the influence of a good sound environment at the weekend, so it means a lot. Um, um, Paul, I, I'm conscious now of time, but before we wrap up, I'm just so curious because there's such an ongoing conversation about 
uh, the future of the workplace and offices in particular. Just going back, before we finish up, going back to that study, you mentioned there that you have 400 sensors across six international offices. What Are there any insights there you could share with us? Was there anything there that surprised you? That's an interesting one. Uh, learning exactly how that sound is influencing behavior. That was the biggest change uh, for us in the way we were thinking about what this data would tell people. It was, so, so we had assumed and, and our client had assumed that this would tell people, uh, okay, it, you know, the sound is about right for what you're trying to achieve. It's matching up with your design criteria today. But when we started to combine that with the other data sets that, that, that Workplace had, so uh, occupancy sensors, CO2 sensors, um, all those sort of other data points that, that that client had about their own operations, we, they could tell not just what was happening in a space, but why it was happening. So how sound was affecting people, driving their behavior, and changing how they use a space. So it opened up a whole realm of possibility about what's possible to measure, what's possible to infer, and then what's possible to do about it afterwards. And that's the biggest change and the biggest insight that we've seen is, is people's understanding of a space and use of a space can be hugely influenced by sound. You know, it occurs to me that this is one area of smart buildings that just, I don't know, is it not being talked about? Is there not a great awareness around it? But it certainly is one that, while developing, it's certainly one that there's so many interesting things still to happen. Um, thank you so much for sharing that and uh, well done on the progress of yourself and the Sonata Systems team there to date. I look forward to catching up and seeing what the next year and, and two brings. But for now, my um, thanks to Paul MacDonald, MD of Sonata Systems. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.